Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. Hello. So good to have you all here. How are you? Welcome. Awesome. I'm great. How are you, Jake? (laughs) Phenomenal. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Just crushed that little mini word. I'm like high on life right now. I'm feeling good. (laughs) It was a really good word. So humble. Hi, baby. Hi. You look like you're about to say something. <laughs> no. She's nervous about what you're going to say. I know. I was. Constantly. Where is this going? She's constantly nervous about what I'm going to say. Yep. Yep. Um, hey, let's introduce them. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We have Justin, Justin Rodolfi. Rodolfi. Hello, hello. There's a whole crowd out there cheering for you, I know. He's got some of his neighborhood group here. Yes. yes. Fan club. Shout out to downtown LA dinner party. Hey. The best group C3 has. I'm biased. Wow. <laughs> I love it. We need like a group softball tournament. Like I feel like <gasps> it's time. Yes. Because I feel like my group could really. Natty Nat, are you taking notes? <laughs> Groups softball, softball tournament. About it. That's an excellent That's brilliant. Plan. Good idea. I love that. that. How many players have to be on a team? I don't know how that works. Nine. Nine? I used to play baseball. Oh, you did? Yeah. Legend. Fun fact. Well, I used to play softball, so I think, <gasps> oh, I think it's on. Oh, I think we have our team captains. Like team captains right here. <laughs> team captains. <laughs> brilliant. I love it. And then Pastor Julia. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm so good. I'm so excited to I'm be sure here. I'm sure most people know you, but some might not know you. And your wonderful husband, Pastor Jerry, who keeps He's us all peach. afloat. He's what? He's a peach. He's a peach. He's a peach. <laughs> you guys just came back from vacation. We did. Are you feeling rested? Oh my gosh. That was, yes. Was so <laughs> needed. <laughs> like, you know, the post-COVID vacation. I know. Oh, just yeah. very, yeah, very important. We took a month off. It was terrific. <laughs> I get it. Um, okay, cool. So we're going to hear a little bit from Justin and Pastor Jules, uh, their story. And obviously we're going to talk a lot about neighborhood groups. But I'm going to have Justin kick us off. So, Justin, I'm sure there's a lot of people in our church who don't know you. What location do you go to? Um, Highland Park. Highland Park. Originally the Valley location. So you came to the Valley. You got pretty much saved in the Valley location, from what I understand. I'd say so. Like really gave your life to the Lord in our Valley location. So shout out to all the Valley people. We love you. Yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> Second question. Are you single? That I am. Well, I just wow. probably had to put that out there. Like that. Hey. I'm just saying. Okay, so just now we know. Me, why, why don't you? How often do you work out? <laughs> Five times a week. Five times, Five times a, week? a week? It's just essential. Do you have time it's for essential. a girlfriend? <laughs> as essential as prayer? Just about. Just about. All right. We just line up that. right just over about. here. Yeah, We're I think, working on that five days out of the week, though. Five days. Okay, so not, you work out five day days a week, but you don't pray five days a week yet. Wait, don't put him on blast. This is a <laughs> man of God. <laughs> he works out, and he's single. And what more do we Lord, need to know? And he's a brilliant leader. And he's brilliant gifted, leader. gifted by God. So give us a little bit of your story, Justin. Yeah, thank you, guys. Man, I'm... What an intro. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, hi, hi church. Um, I'm Justin, and and a little bit about my story. I grew up. I did the whole Catholic thing. Grew up in the Catholic church, going to church every Sunday. Went with my mom. Um, did the first communion. Got confirmed. I was a choir boy as well. Um, and so you know, I was I was just going to church basically just 
you know, because I was thrown into it in my family and everyone in my family is Catholic too. Um, and up until about high school is where I decided to sleep in. You know, uh, I enjoyed my rest on Sundays. Um, you know, whether it was like staying up playing video games on Saturday night, I just wasn't at church on Sunday. Up until I met this girl um, who, who later introduced me to C3. But... Um, so, so she grew up Seventh-day Adventist. She was going to church every Sunday with her family. And so I was like, oh, might as well, I'll go with her. You know, church isn't new to me. Um, so I'll just keep an open mind. Like, it's, it's similar, but it's different, you know, Christian and Catholicism. Um, and so I sort of got my introduction to Christianity when I was going with her and her family to church. Um, fast forward, we, we stumble upon C3. Um, and I get a an amazing word from Pastor Jake, and I'm like, wow, like, who is this Jake Sweetman guy? Like, that was such an amazing, like, TED Talk with, like, a Christian spin to it. Um, like, at, like, at that point... Said the guy with such passion for sound doctrine, just up here giving Christian TED Talks with Christian spins. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just what I was, like, into at the time. I was, I was reading a lot of self-help books and listening to TED Talks, yep. and you just gave such... Or every, everyone part of C3, Pastor Nick... Pastor James always gives such an amazing word, um, and that kind of drew me into C3, and so, you know, that relationship ended, but I continued to show up each week because I was like, oh, might as well show up for the amazing TED Talk, um, yeah. and so, Live TED Talk. yeah, I love TED Talks, um, but I, I finally gave neighborhood groups a shot, um, Jeff Barnett, shout out to Jeff. Jazzy. Jazzy. Jazzy Jeff. Jeff got me connected, and, and I went to my first son's group. It was called Sons Fly at Chick-fil-A. And it was like, a, <laughs> it, was at, it was at 7 a.m. with Joseph Parker, Philippe, Armando, yes. Kevin Sanders, like all of these dudes that I highly respect and are still great friends with to this day. Like can, it's, it, can I just ask a question? Yeah. Because you showed up at a 7 a.m. Chick-fil-A group. That must have been some pitch by Jazzy Jeff. So can you like talk to me, like how did he hook you into that? Oh yeah, that's a great what question. What did that sound like? Um, well, uh, to be honest, Jazzy Jeff was like the only dude I knew. And so I was like, I'm only gonna go to a group if, like, if, if you're there, you know, like I didn't wanna go to some random group without knowing anyone. But um, shout out to Jeff for just like spotting me out in the crowd um, and getting me connected. Like that's the beauty of our church, getting, getting lost people connected. Um, love that. So good. So good. Incredible. Yeah. I love the intentionality yeah. behind that. So yeah. cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I consistently showed up to, to neighborhood groups. At one point I was going to twice a week, um, to, or to two groups a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I just loved it. It was a part of my, my, my week. Um, and, and the topic of leading has been brought to my attention multiple times. And they asked me, you know, Hey Justin, like, have you ever thought about leading? And I always kind of like blew it off. I was like, uh, I'm too busy or nah, it's not my thing. Um, and it's so easy to say we're busy because at that time I was in nursing school, you know, studying full time. As you guys know, college life, super busy studying. Yeah. As oh, long, really? I know at least if it. you take it seriously. Um, but um, yeah, so that was, that was my excuse that I kept pushing it off. Um, but also at the same time, like when I was brought... Um, an opportunity to lead with Sarah Wallach. Um, woo woo. Hey. Do I need to say more? Sarah Wallach, she's the vet. Daniel McDonald, um, pastor's kid, you know, grew up 
in in the in the Christian household his whole he's life. He's a legend. I ran into Daniel McDonald in the Atlanta airport recently. Yes, we did. That's this last summer. He's walking down the corridor, and we're sitting there as a family. Literally, we're like in between flights, and our kids have just like just Demolished. snack spillage all yeah. over the floor. <laughs> and Dan's walking. I'm like, that's Dan. 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 He's like going on oh my god so we connected in the atlanta airport it was great also an eligible bachelor also an eligible bachelor the church is full of them really i know it's amazing (laughs) just stare down sarah real quick um but yeah dan is also single so ladies um and desi caldwell who like led the group that i was going to so like all these people um you know i was going to lead with that and i kind of just underqualified myself you know, mentally, before before taking the step into leadership, you know, like, I had only been going to C3 for, like, a year, you know, I, I wasn't a pastor's kid, um, and I didn't, I didn't know how to pray, I never read the Bible, all of these things, I was just like, how can I keep up with these people, there's no way, um, but the Holy Spirit convinced me, and, and I decided to, to step into leadership, um, and so, so when I stepped into it, I knew what I was getting myself into, you know, with these people that I highly respect, I knew that I had to do my homework to keep up and carry my own weight. Mm. Like I'm playing ball with the big dogs and like, I, like they weren't going to carry my weight for that long, maybe a week, maybe two, but you know, I'm on my own. And so, um, I made, I was, I, I made sure to be very intentional about my leading because I wanted to do it right based on the people that led me by example, like Philippe, Armando, all those people. Um, and yeah, I, I owe it all to them. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those, those guys. So. Yeah. I love that posture you allowed yourself to take and just trusting God and being faithful and answering eventually the, the call because you didn't wait to feel qualified or to hit a certain benchmark in your walk with God, but you allowed it to be the launching into building your faith. Um, and I just, I think sometimes we get that reversed in our minds. And I just think that's so cool to see that in your story. I, I would be willing to bet that probably all those people, those like incredible people that you just cited would not self-identify as big dogs. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's just cool who you're influencing. Even, I mean, it's not that they aren't. It's just that you don't necessarily Most of us don't think, think about of ourselves that, that yeah. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's great. And I love that you talk about, um, how responding to that invitation to begin leading is what gave you the motivation to grow in your prayer life Mm -hmm. and to actually spend time reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to that that's really powerful because as soon as we put ourselves in a position in life where we're no longer responsible for feeding only ourselves but for feeding others, we become a lot more motivated to gather Mm -hmm. and to actually have something to say, which then we are the... uh, kind of the secondary benefactors of that because then we end up uh, feeding on our fill as well. Um, and I've even found that in my own journey as, as uh, a pastor. Like when, when Nicole and I stepped into higher and higher realms of leadership in church, I always found that my word life had to increase yeah. and my prayer life had to increase um, because all of a sudden there's a demand on you that wasn't there before. And God will use that demand that he's put on you in order to grow you as well. And that's actually what ends up preparing us for whatever our next levels are, is that we grow into the capacity of what we've agreed to step into. And that's been your experience. And that would be the experience of anybody who doesn't lead a group, but maybe is thinking about leading a group, is that you don't feel like you have the capacity, but you step into it and you grow into the capacity 
because God uses that demand to cause you to have to rise to the occasion. So, and that's been your experience. For sure. I think there's something beautiful in the pressure of leading. Um, I find that there's pressure just in basically every role that we play in our lives. You know, you, all you guys here as parents, you know, your kids look at you guys, you know, to be there, to be role models and lead them um, and have it all together, essentially. Um, so, so which, the, clearly which we, we do. always do. Yeah. <laughs> But I definitely was not losing my temper yesterday trying to fix our internet. That didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, pre- I, I don't think the reason that we have pressure is because we're um, great things are expected are expected out of us, and I don't think that if we didn't feel any pressure, um, people wouldn't expect much from us. Um, I don't know. Did that come out savagely? I feel like. <laughs> That was like savage, it's a savage comment. But um, I think you're spot on. God uses pressure. And pressure reveals what's in us to be used, but pressure also reveals what gaps are there that, that need to grow. And that's how God grows us. And we all need to grow. And so leadership in that sense is a privilege because it causes us to not stay the same. And none of us should stay the same. We should not end how we began. We should be different. Amen. Yeah. I just love the picture, too, of um, because I don't know if you hit on this, but you were in a very intense program with nursing school, which you just graduated in January. And so congratulations. Thank you. Huntington Hospital in Pasadena. Yes. I know yes. you're in our neighborhood. Go to Justin for all your medical needs. All your medical needs. <laughs> you're right around the corner from our house, so if I injure myself, I'm going to come find you. I got you. you. Going to come knocking on your door. Um, but I just think you're in this you know, stringent program at school and, you know, working your butt off, but then there's this opportunity to begin to step into leadership and, and participate in the body of Christ in a whole different way. And, um, I think we forget that you can be a king and a priest simultaneously. And a lot of times we think it's one or the other. Um, and generally it's the other that goes, that we, you know, put to the side for a moment while we build this other part of our lives, but you've decided to do both together. And Love so that. talk a bit about that mentality and how it's fed, like how has choosing to be a group leader and so in that way and building God's house in that capacity poured into your career in schooling? Yeah, for sure. Um, I felt a tremendous amount of pressure when I was, you know, in school and leading um, but it, it, was, it was great because it, it shaped me to be the leader that I am today. Um, I'd say, like, the, the way that I was able to balance the two was just through a routine. Like, I'm just a very routine, schedule type of guy. When I was in, in nursing school, I was, like, the most strict that I was with my routine. You know, wake up at 6, study till 9, work out after that, then have the rest of the day to balance out, you know, either a social life, and in this case, it was leading. So I knew that I had to set aside time to prepare for a group and to be a good leader. Um, whenever I, I go into something, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my 110%. So I didn't want to halfway leading. I wanted to be a good leader based on the people that led me. And so um, I fit leading into, into my, my weekly schedule. You know, like, like leading isn't just on Sunday. Leading is an everyday practice. Like I had to level up my prayer life. I had to um, get comfortable with reading the Bible and know what I'm talking about, essentially. And so during the week, aside from studying, I was spending time in the Word. Um, I never had picked up a Bible before I led a group. Um, I had to pray for my 
for my group members just to just to level up my uh, my prayer life because I wasn't comfortable praying in in group, so I needed to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Wow. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I I bounce the two things. And now, like I'm not working yet, um, and so there's no reason for me not to be a good leader um, and slack off. So that's that's just the the expectation I hold to myself, um, and has always and have always been in whatever that I do. Um, yeah. yeah. So. I'm really curious to hear the the development of how your growth spiritually ends up coming into your um, career as well as a nurse. Because I know that what God is developing in this sphere is going to ultimately spill over into that sphere as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, you had shared earlier about just having pictures in your mind of being able to pray for your patients. And um, I think that's really super awesome. Yeah, like, so I graduated in January and so I just recently got a job opportunity. So you could just see how long it took for me to get that job. And so there was a long period of waiting, as you guys know, as some of you may know, like it was very frustrating for me and um, very misleading. I didn't know what my future looked like because I was just waiting. And so I was just asking God, like, you know, is nursing my purpose? Like, what is my purpose right now if I'm not nursing, if I'm not a student? Um, But God made it so clear to me that through leadership, I can minister through my patients in the hospital. I had visions of myself praying for my patients one day. And, um, and that makes me emotional to think about just because nursing is just such a um, rewarding job in itself to help someone who's at their lowest, at their most vulnerable. But to include like the Holy Spirit in that mix, it's just... It's just very humbling and, and insane how God is using me in that way. Yeah. Um, it's truly remarkable. That's so awesome. Like, I, people often talk about how um, uh, the church is not uh, like a club for the perfect. It's a hospital for the hurting. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great analogy. But I think another great analogy for the church is the church is like, uh, it's like a development center. It's a place where people can come in and you, you don't stay hurting. You get built up. You get edified and you, right. you get stronger. And the church is like a, it's like a training ground where people then get sent out to not just be a priest, but to be a king like Nicole was talking about so that we can take ministry into every area of our life. Right. And ultimately, that's how the, the gospel spreads and the church grows is we're not just keeping it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're taking it out into, you know, whatever sphere of the world that we're um, engaging with. So I love that. So good. Yeah. Pastor Julia, let's yes. shift gears. Hi. Let's jump into some of your story. Awesome. Um, my story is, is a little bit different from Justin's. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I went to the Church of Christ, and that lasted for a while. I was a little bit uh, disenchanted um, over time, maybe a little bit bored, I would say, as a kid. And uh, my group of friends in high school had all found this mega church. So, you know, this is like a classic story of late 90s <laughs> discovery. Um, so I started going to this mega church um, with my friends, and it was so cool, and the pastor wore jeans, and the band was cool, and we were all reading Blue Like Jazz, and it was just, you know, it's just You're what we were to doing. Pastor Mike a little's heart right now. Yeah, <laughs> this is for you, Pastor Mike. Uh, and, but really the beautiful thing about that experience in high school and those friends was, like, we were this little community. Like, we'd go to church together, we'd serve on Saturdays, we'd go to Wendy's, get our Frosties after church. Yeah. Like, it was, it was just it was a formative time, and, um, and church became a big part of that. And I think that sort of, 
I guess, culture I, I carried into college. Um, when I when I went to school, I I don't know, maybe that was the first time that I was experimenting with like, what if I am not a good Christian girl, you know? As, and about as bad as I got was just like I would drink a ton and go out and you know stay up stay up too late and um, and all that good stuff. And I had all these um, in our in our school. You would sort of alternate between internship and school, and so I ended up traveling a lot. And the through line there was I I was always. I found a church wherever I went. You know, I was always kind of like planted in a church, no matter what city I was in. Um, and one of those was in London. I found Hillsong, um, Hillsong London, and it was it was wonderful. Like it was just like, oh, I, this feels like home. It, it was great. And um, my, like my funny story about that, I have vivid memories of like sleeping over at somebody's house, waking up, I had vomit on my jeans, and I would rock into church. That's just what I did. Committed. I, you Committed. know, like. Yeah, like, yes. I, you know, I, I, can do, I can do both. Which is amazing. And I do want to pause there because there's something to draw out of that for, for us. Draw out of the vomit. Dr- yeah. <laughs> a point about the vomit. Um, Let's it, think about that. That, that a, a college girl can go into an environment like that and feel like she can, first right. of all. Like, I've got vomit on my jeans. Oh, well. I'm still drunk. You know, like... The, yeah, still like, yeah. feeling it from the night before. And yet... This environment that they've created is a place where you still feel welcome, where you still feel like you can go. And I think there's something really, really powerful about that. And lo and behold, right, like, so you're in there, and then you fast forward a number of years and married to an amazing man, Jerry, three wonderful boys, and you and Jerry are pastors in a church. And you're going from, like, vomit on the jeans in a church to, like, pastoring in a church. And I just, to me, that really speaks how we should... We should never forget um, that the, the people that are walking into our doors yeah. might be a hurting person walking into a hospital, mm-hmm. but eventually they're going to grow up, they're going to get trained up, and they're going to lead in exceptional capacities, not just as a priest, but also as a king, because Julia and Jerry are constantly dominating in life. We all know that, and, and raising a beautiful family, um, and I just don't think we can lose sight of the potential of people, and God wants to bring us people. And I think God wants to, like, I'm, I, I meet people a lot, right, uh, and I always want to hang out with them, but life can be so full, and so my options are kind of like, I can invite them to church. But I think the power of neighborhood groups is that that provides another place where we can another just start to include area. people in our lives, mm-hmm. um, which I guess this is a good place to make mention of the fact that yeah. Nicole and I, ding, 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 launching our own dinner party, yeah. starting our own neighborhood group, which we're pumped about. But I think one of the beautiful aspects of that, just like I was saying at the, the top of the night, sharing from that Revelation passage, is the, the hospitality factor and how people yeah. can come in and be transformed. And who knows what destiny God can unlock. Yeah. Well, Justin, I remember, too, you talking about um, when you were coming to church first in the valley and you had made mention, like, oh, people actually hang out after church. And that was such a foreign concept for you. And you're like, oh, wait, this is, we really do life together, you know, and how the shift up into formulating these friendships with these guys. Um, and I think that's such a cool example of that as well. Yeah. So, good. so good. So Hillsong, Vomit on the Jeans, <laughs> continue. Well, and so I'm working and I'm partying and I'm going to church and then I would like trek across town on a Tuesday to join these small groups that they had. Like that was always kind of a through line for me. I think it just... Um, I, I just always felt the power of community and the power of that mm-hmm. connection. And um, So then fast forward 
um, after college, Jerry and I met, we moved to New York, we started dating, and um, we, found, we, we, we found a C3 in Manhattan. And um, at the time, Jerry, Jerry was a Catholic, grew up Catholic, a um, little bit spirit-filled, and I had this sort of like religious megachurch thing going on. And, um, and, and C3 Manhattan just like blew our minds. Like we it c- cannot understate how much we just felt the presence of God there. And that was the first time we experienced like the Holy Spirit as part of this church experience. And we were like, whoa, okay. They, they, they wear jeans, but they also are filled with the Holy Spirit. Like this is amazing. And, um, and for the two of us, it... It really, um, it really catalyzed our relationship. Um, wow. I mean, so, so many stories there. But uh, we were just like, we, we can't leave. We love this church. Um, we weren't there for a very long time. We lived in New York for like a total of two years. And we probably found C3 six months to a year into living there. So it wasn't, but it was pivotal in our lives. Like yeah. we still talk about the small group and the two incredibly faithful couples who led that group and they did our marriage coaching and even though they weren't marrying us and we had said we were moving at that point, they still were faithful. Um, they were just lovely and we, we learned so much and we grew so much there. So we, we moved to LA, felt the call, moved to LA and we heard that there was a C3 here. Um, but some folks in New York cautioned us. They were like, it's really tiny. Like it just started. Um, this was 13 years ago, 13 and a half years ago. This was, I guess, for a little context, this was a previous iteration of our church. Yes. That was led by my parents. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And fun fact, Jake and Nicole, we, they were one of the first people we met. I think there were like was, 10 or 12 people there. Yeah, and I was 19. You were 19. Yeah. We were yes. babies just starting to I had a little flock of were... seagulls haircut. Yeah. <laughs> These sick little, I think they were chick glasses. No, I they, didn't, weren't. they were. They um, were tinted. There were Converse glasses. Oh, I had Converse by then. Yeah. I thought I was still wearing my, D, my Donna Karen New Yorks. Aww. I had these Donna Karen New York eyeglasses that I thought were guy glasses, but I think they Everyone were woman. Close their I think ears. they were woman glasses. No, it's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> so Anyways. My, my favorite, can I tell my memory? Please. It's my, my, my favorite embarrassing story about Pastor Jake then. You, you were young. I was a kid. You just, just started dating Nicole. He, I saw Nicole walking, and Nicole is like a, a tiny, lovely woman holding this huge like Tupperware thing for kids church. Like Serving she's running kids. kids church. She's carrying Still all the stuff it. out. And Jake like was walking ahead of her. And this is how I learned that you were dating. He's walking ahead of her, lets the door slam on her. <laughs> and she's like, you know, stumbles with this huge Tupperware thing. And, and then she calls him baby. And I was like, oh, they're, oh, they're dating. That's how, that was my first encounter with Listen, Pastor Jake. Sometimes Clearly you got to clean him up, <laughs> shape him up. Yeah, but look, look at him perfect. now. Look at him now. We come <laughs> terrible. But there was potential. You were passionate. Yeah. And you loved I mean, Jesus. Justin Rodolfi is light years ahead of where I was when we started dating. You know, he might have a few. But, you know, he's also not 19. Yeah. How old are you, Justin? Justin, 24. Hey, wow. happy birthday. Look. look. Apples and oranges. Huh? Apples and oranges. Apples and you oranges. You were much younger. Totally. <laughs> In fact, I was 24 when we started dating. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, back to you, Julia. I, I love that we always really end up talking about, about <laughs> it. Always comes back to relationships this. or something. Sorry, yeah. I know we can't help it. Anyways, this is what happens when you give me a month off. I just think about all the potential relationships in our church the whole entire time I was away. By the Nicole way, Nicole spends eighty percent of her time matchmaking in her head. It's true. Anyways, back to Julia. Okay, you came to church. You we were newlyweds, and we were like, start a group. Yeah, and we, we were yes. asked. We were asked to start a group. Like, I don't know, month two or something like that. It was so early, and we were like, I don't, I don't think they know. We've only been married three, four months. You know, like, it was like they don't know how 
immature we are, but we just said yes, because I'd had all these experiences with groups over the years right. that had yeah. just Change produced fruit, and it was like, okay, well, we're in. Yeah. And um, like I said, it's been over 13 years we've been here now, and I, I would say 12 of those 13 years, we've led a group. Like, wow. a couple breaks here and there for, you know, like, work, travel, or having a baby. Babies. But, like, we've also led groups through having babies. You know, it's just been... Um, such a pivotal part of our lives. And I say us because Jerry and I will lead groups together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's got a son's group. Sometimes I've got a women's group. Sometimes I've got a mom's group. Sometimes we've got a family. Like, you know, it's just different seasons yeah. call for different things. But the through line has really been saying yes. Yeah. I think to that. At what I lo love that you guys have modeled so well is just your willingness to open your home consistently and... Um, through the season, so through having the babies and, and just making that part of your family culture, um, where sometimes when we shift seasons, that can be another easy exit way out of doing that. So talk to us a bit about that and even seeing how that's impacted the boys, you know, yeah. being in a home that's constantly being filled with group in the presence of God in such a unique way. Love that. It's like such a win for my kids because either we're hosting a nighttime group and they get to watch TV on a weeknight, which is like, mind blowing. is it Thursday yet? You know, like, the, I mean, they'll, if you call them right now, they'll tell you that, like, this is what we get to do. So it's either that or it's a family group and they just get to hang out with a bunch of kids or um, they're just, it's just been a part of their lives. They don't know anything else other than people come over and Sometimes they say hi to me, sometimes they sneak me chocolate, and I get to watch TV, and it's great, you know? So, yeah, that's, that's been, um, I, I think they wouldn't know any different, you know? Yeah, I love that. And you were even sharing the other day about, because you guys just got back from your holiday, and you were pulling out to church, and what was it your kids were asking? Milo was, like, cheering. We were just out here in the parking lot. We were pulling in. He's like, yes, yes. We were like, did you not know we were coming here? You know, he was just, he saw the church, and it just triggered something. He was right. so excited to be here. And I was like, buddy, are you, are you excited to go to church? Because he also, I sometimes make him wear shoes that he doesn't like. So <laughs> sometimes that's associated with church. And so sometimes I'll just get, I don't want to go because you're shoes. making me put on shoes, yeah, that aren't destroyed. And um, no, but he, he's just said, yeah, I love church. It's, it's so much fun. We have such a good time. And shout out to the kids there, team. Yeah, yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, massive shout out to the kids team. And I just, I love that, you know, not to get too family, but just for a second, like, I, I think it's so important as parents that we're immersing our kids in church. Yeah. And it should not just be something that we go to on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I think the power of having the church in your home is that the kids, they learn to... They learn to negotiate with something on more than just a neutral uh, territory, but they learn to interact with it in their own home. And so they learn what it is to host people and they learn what it is to open up their lives and share. And that's the kind of thing that they'll watch us do as parents. And they'll just assume like, oh, all families do this, right? right. Well, of course not. Of course they don't do that. But that's what we do in the church. And they're going to learn some massively life impacting yeah. things from that. Yeah. So powerful. That's the prayer, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is. For sure, yeah. they will. Your, yeah. your kids are going to be world changers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Jules, talk to us because I don't know if everyone caught that. 12 of the 13 12 years you've been in LA, you've been leading a group. group. Through leadership changes, yep. church changes, yep. and still moves across moves, the city. Multiple. So many moves. Yes. Yeah. Oh what has fed that endurance to the yes? Because there's inconvenience that comes with opening your home weekly. Um, yeah. So talk to us about that. Absolutely. I think 
First and foremost, it's just the knowledge of how faithful God has been in the past through groups in particular. Like, I, we can't ignore how our lives have been impacted through that, our personal lives, and also stories of other people that have been impacted through groups. Like, it's, we've seen so much fruit over the years. It's almost like we know that that would block off something that God's doing in us. So why would wow. we say no? Now, there are plenty of seasons where we're like, okay, this isn't actually wise to take this extra thing on or whatever and you know you have to prioritize and think things through so it's not that it's a religious yes it's a it's a like god you're so good all the time yes that's great yeah wow love that that. so talk to us you guys because you both lead different types of groups so talk to us like if someone new out there has never been to a group before what are they like what are they experiencing what what does it look like what does it feel like justin tell us a bit yeah um I just, I'm just always reminded of, of when I first went to neighborhood groups and, and what I love so much about the neighborhood groups that I went to was the fact that it was always like a safe space for me. The fact that I can go to group and, and unpack my struggles and know that I won't be judged for anything, um, that, that people would, were able to walk with me through the struggle, that people would pray for me. Um, just be there for me because at that time I was looking for um, a different friend group, more quality friends, and this was so different to be surrounded by, one, a bunch of dudes, but also surrounded by a bunch of dudes that I could, like, pour out my emotions to, yeah. which, um, which you know, a lot of men out there aren't able to, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's always been um, highlighted whenever I lead a group, um, and, and just like, that, that's, that's the vision that I see for groups is that, you know, sure, we can have fun and everything, but, but we're missing the mark if we're neglecting the fact that someone is walking into our group broken, mm-hmm. hurt, um, whatever that they are going through, and that we, we're not there to pray for them. Like, that's what group was for me at one point, and that's how I want group to be for someone else. That's great. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of what neighborhood group is about. Um, to those who've never been to one, um, but it's not—it's not—it's on, not only a cry fest, but you know, we do life together. Like it's my family, you know. Um, these are my brothers and sisters, and you know, through these hard conversations, we learn so much about each other yeah. and build genuine friendships. So, it's yeah. awesome. I will, a quick perspective, I guess, from um, the season that we're in right now in groups. Um, we are the group that Jerry and I co-lead with. Um, the amazing Laura Taylor and Shelby Steen. Shout out, you. Laura, Laura and Shelby and Jerry. Um, our group is like a strict hour, and it's hilarious because um, I used to sort of believe, like early on we would have like these five-hour groups and we'd pray and people are staying, and it was beautiful, and, and that, that was fine for a season, but um, we're busy and we're up early and we've got kids, and so it's just like not always possible. Um, Laura Taylor is a good early bedtime person. She's like the best at it. So she, we're always like, okay, let's go. But we've gotten this system down where we, we do a little icebreaker. We have really genuine conversation for 30, 40 minutes. We always, you know, lead with the word and talk through some things in scripture. And then we always save time for prayer and then we're done. And it just, it works really well. And I think the group has gotten used to kind of that structure. And so, um, there, there were times in the past where it felt like it needed to be much longer, but I think where we are now and just the way that we're leading now, that's our personal format that seems to have worked, yeah. you know? I love, I love that. Yeah, I love the flexibility of it, yeah. and 
um, not being dogmatic about it. Yeah. yeah. Were you going to say something, honey? No, you're good. Um, I think it would be cool maybe just to share, like, a, because groups can take on different formats, whether it's sons or she or dinner party or, or whatever it is. Um, but a couple of things are always going to happen, and that's probably going to be prayer. There's going to be some prayer in there, and there's going to be some good discussion, um, and relationships are going to get built. Um, so maybe it would be cool if you guys could each share, I don't know, like a little story or testimony or something, um, something that stood out to you from your own group that you feel like has been really special that you've carried with you in your heart. I want you to share your story about, um, I know this wasn't out of group, but you growing in leadership through group is directly connected to this. Share the um, prophetic word. Yeah, so just just like me stepping into leadership, God has transformed my faith in, in so many ways, and I'm like just just uh, reaping the fruit from it, such as like my prayer life, um, a prophetic prophecy that I never thought, it was so out of reach for me when I saw people being prophesied over. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like that's, that's only like something that they have and they have only, like that's something that I could never do. Um, but I have a testimony of a friend that I prophesied for. And it was, it was after Tuesday morning prayer, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit boiling up in me, and I just had to get this out. Um, Tuesday morning prayer ended, and so I immediately um, voice memoed it, and I recorded my prophetic word for my friend. Um, a little side note, my friend owns her own business, and she sells her art, um, and she ministers through her art. So she... She provides healing for people who've been hurt in their past, in her, in their past, um, in similar ways that she has been saved from. It's truly an amazing thing, um, and so she just wasn't. Um, she was being discouraged because she didn't see her business grow in the way that she expected to and, and anticipated. And so I had a prophetic word um, that someone was going to come up to her in person, like during one of her pop-up stores or someone was going to contact her online. And so I, I email this prophetic word, or I, I, uh, I record this prophetic word and send it to her in the morning. Um, the day goes by, and so I'm out jogging, and I get a phone call from her, and she's hysterical. She's like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe she's crying. Like, you're not going to believe what just happened. She literally just woke up from a nap and saw her in her email that, that she was chosen for an apprenticeship, for a graphic art and design apprenticeship. Wow. Not only was it free, but it, it guaranteed her a job once this apprenticeship was done, wow. which was basically going to level up her business. That's awesome. um, and, like, I, I get goosebumps just, just thinking about that day because, like, God used me to give that prophetic word that I had never thought that I could even do. Right. I thought it was so out of my reach, but um, God's just using me. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, to encourage her and open her eyes to his faithfulness. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Jules, do you want to share this testimony or story out of group? Yeah. Um, the, I think the things over the years that stand out to me the most are, like, answered prayers, you know, because it's, it's just a structured time, and everybody knows you're going to pray, you're going to get prayed for. Like, I, And that's what we all need. Atmosphere of faith there. We all need yeah. God to answer yes. our prayers. <laughs> there's always a lot of prayers. Um, a couple of years ago, we um, I, I was co-leading a mom's group with um, Pastor Christine Pringle, it was amazing. Um, there were a lot of pregnant mamas and new mamas. And then there were a couple women who were trying to conceive. And it's a little hard to be surrounded by women when you're, like, in that, in that space. Um, but this woman was so faithful. And um, actually, she really made it a priority to be a group. And I ended up co-leading with her 
um, when Pastor Christine took on a different group. And um, so that's actually a testimony of her faithfulness. But she, um, we, were, we were just, we'd pray for her every week. And um, she was concerned because she was Pastor Prime. And she, she was told that she was high risk and not super likely that she was going to get pregnant. Um, I think, I don't know if I'm messing up the timeline here. COVID hit. We went to Zoom. We broke for like a week or two. And she just like casually texts me. She's like, by the way, I'm pregnant. Like it just, it was just this faithfulness over the, you know, faithfulness to pray for it and faithfulness of her. She would just show up to group and just sew and eventually co-led and then became pregnant. And it was just, yeah, so beautiful answer to prayer. Amazing. I just love the idea that we are hosting these spaces for incubator of answered prayer and miracles to occur um, all throughout the city. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's so profound. And I think of your living rooms, Julia, like in the amount of answered prayer that sits in there and the seeds that have been sown. And I think to remind ourselves that, yes, there is work and sacrifice on our end practically when you choose to open up your home and lead groups. But there's also this outpouring that we receive. And I'm reminded of the scripture that those who water will be themselves, you know, refreshed. And I just think that that you really do receive that, you know, Um, whether it's finding and discovering a gifting that that you didn't know was there and, and that's the pathway that God showed it to you or being able to witness friends, you know, um, have miracle children, you know, it's, it's, it's truly incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. I think too, you know, as it regards, um, stepping into leadership, I think one of the things that is important for us all to have is that we're all going to battle thoughts of being underqualified. Um, and we're all going to feel like we can't prepare for it. Mm. You know, you, we didn't get to talk about it a ton, but life is super busy, nursing, working, Jerry working, three little boys leading this group. Um, but I think one of the things that we can do for ourselves is just to take the pressure off and realize what people actually need who are coming into those environments. Right. I think it's really important to remember that um, people aren't stepping into our homes or logging onto Zoom for a, for a, a rehashing of the Sunday message. They're not looking for, you know, uh, even your own personal revelation out of the Bible that is going to, like, blow their mind, you know? So I don't think we need to have this pressure on ourselves to bring in something really impressive. I think we just need to recognize that people need a place to call home and that people need a place to plant and they need a a place where they can grow and they need a place where others can care for them and and pray for them. I don't know for us personally, what I'm most looking forward to with our dinner party is I just want to provide a place where people can come, have the best time, eat good food, grow in a relationship with one another, and we're just going to hang out and have fun. And at the end, we're going to pray for each other. Yeah. And I'm not going to do all the praying. We're going to break up into, into even smaller groups and pray over one another. And we're going to grow in our gifts that way, and we're going to receive that way. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, Because even as a pastor, I don't have time to prepare another <laughs> message to, to share at the group. But, but that's not necessarily what people need. People get encouraged just by this interaction, and um, that's what we can provide. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.